As we continue in our, in our passage this week or as our series and Elevate, today we're going to be talking about elevating your dependence. And literally what that means is your dependence on God. And so today we're going to be talking about that in Luke. And as I thought about this and prayed about this passage, I was, I was led to a memory that I have of, of us going on our vacation. As many of you guys know, we, we go on vacation every year to Florida. Love going to Florida, love the beach, love just getting out in the ocean. And one of the reasons I love do going to Florida and where we go is because when I go on vacation, I'm not a sightseer. Okay. The only sight that I want to see is my chair in the sand in the ocean in front of me. That's it. That's the only sight I want to see. And when we go to Florida, that's exactly what I get to do. I get to put my chair and I get to see the ocean. One of the things we always love to do me and, and our children in particular, are my two boys is that we love to do the manly thing of swimming out and finding the sandbar. Okay. Cause it's really cool to be able to go and get out into the ocean where it's really deep, but then you get to that sandbar and you're standing in the water's kind of waist deep, but everywhere else it's really deep and you're like feeling kind of mighty and powerful. And so about four years ago, we decided we were going to do this again as we normally do me and Gavin and Bailey. And we take off and we go swimming and we're swimming out there. Now I got to tell you that on this particular day, a storm had moved in. Now, obviously it wasn't like hurricane Harvey by any stretch of the imagination, but the waves were a little bit taller than normal. Okay. And I'm an older guy and I wasn't in very good shape as I'm still not in very good shape, but we decided to go out anyway, much to the discredit of my wife going, you really shouldn't do that. But Hey, we know what's best. Right? And so we take off going out swimming to the, to the sandbar. We get about halfway out there. We feel like, and my oldest son, Gavin says, you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't not sure this is a good idea. I think I'm going to, I'm going to turn back. Now, we've always kind of feared Gavin was a little bit smarter than the rest of us, or we thought he was just weaker, but in this case, he was a lot smarter than us. Me and Bailey, on the other hand, we were like, oh, come on, let's do this. We're like, going, oh, let's do this. And we got ourselves pumped up and started swimming some more. We swam a little bit farther and got literally about what seemed to be about 10 to 12 feet from the sandbar, and we were both exhausted at that moment. At that moment, we had a decision. Do we continue on or we go back? Well, of course, we did the dumb thing, and we continued on. And so we made that last ditch effort to really push to get there. And we were swimming as hard as we could. I'm looking down. I can see the floor, right? I can see the sand. So you're thinking you're getting closer. You're getting closer. And we swam, we swam, we swam. It seemed like we swam forever. We probably swam like 10 feet. And all of a sudden I got to part thinking that this is it. I stopped swimming and I went to stand on the sandbar. The only problem was there was no sandbar. I went directly under and landed. There was a sandbar, but it was a lot deeper than this 5'8 body. Andy probably would have been okay, but me being 5'8", I'm not going to make it, right? Went under the water, hit the bottom of the ocean, so to speak, the sandbar, hopped up, and when I did, I turned to Bailey and I said, no sandbar, let's get back. So Bailey, being in much better shape than me, he took off and started swimming back. Well, as soon as I started swimming back, I got two big old cramps in the back of my leg. So now I'm an out of shape, overweight, old man trying to swim back with no legs, Waves are hitting me. You're getting the good picture here, right? And so I'm swimming at that moment. I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is how people drown because they do stupid stuff like this. And at that moment, I realized, I don't know if I can make it back. So I hollered at Bailey and said, I, I, I need help. Now, Bailey comes swimming back. And at that moment, I'm thinking to myself, I'm such a great father, right? I'm in danger of drowning. And I tell my son to come join me. Awesome dad. So as I'm moving forward, forward, trying to swim, I'd swim and swim. I get tired and I want to just stop for a little bit and rest. And Bailey would literally reach his hand and grab me and pull me forward. 
And he did that at that moment. He did that for a couple times. Gavin realized what's going on. Gavin comes back out and Gavin helps me and Bailey. And I couldn't be more proud as a dad to be dragged out of the ocean by my two sons. Felt awesome. People on the, co- people on the beach are looking at me going, what's wrong with this guy? But the point is, I think that's where a lot of us are this morning. Is that we're trying to do things on our own. We continue to try to push through the waves and everything. We keep going under. We get up for a little bit. We swim a little bit. We go under. And, and could I have made it to the beach by myself? I, I, I don't know, but I, I could have maybe. But I do know one thing. It was a lot easier when I was able to depend on Bailey. Our life will be a whole lot better and a whole lot easier when we learn to depend on God. And so when we look at the verses today, we're going to look at how a reason why to depend on God. So if you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's word, we're going to be reading out of Luke 11, one through four, Luke 11, one through four. And it says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we just come to you thanking you for this incredible day. Thank you that we can depend on you. Father, I ask that you would speak through me today, that the hearts and the ears of the people would hear directly from you, not from me. Father, may you bless us, may you watch over us. And I pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. For we can do all things to him which strengthens us. Amen. You may be seated. When you, when you think about this, when you think about dependence, when you look it up, dependence is a state of being influenced or subject by another. So influence is subject by another. So if I'm going to be dependent on someone, if I'm going to be influenced by someone, I definitely want it to be God. When you think about that, you think about the disciples, ordinary men, ordinary men, that had seen Jesus do miraculous stuff. And yet when they come at this moment, they're going, Jesus, teach us to pray. They could have asked for anything, but they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Why? Because they saw Jesus every time there was a huge decision or every time something big was about to happen. They saw Jesus disappear, get away and get along with his father. They said, teach us how to do that. See, I know in my life, prayer life is one of the hardest things I have with. Because I, I can come up here, I can speak, I can talk, I can teach, I can do like that. But for some reason, prayer is one of the hardest things I have. It's when I get up in the morning and I want to pray and have time together with my father. But yet for whatever reason, distractions, whatever comes up, as Pastor talked about last week, that focus gets distracted. So the key to dependence is prayer. You've got to have prayer if you truly want to be able to depend on our father. Now, some of you may be here today and you may be saying, why? Why depend on God? Why depend on God? Because God really hasn't been there for me. Maybe maybe you're mad at God right now. Maybe you feel like God's mistreated you. Maybe you feel like God's giving you a harder blow than someone else. I don't know where you may be, but I do know that you can depend on God. And hopefully through this scripture, we'll see why we can depend on God. The first reason we can depend on God is God's love and glory. God's love and glory. Look what it says here in verse two again. And so he said to them, when you pray, say our father in heaven. I I love that part right there. Our father in heaven. 
Now, he could have said anything at that moment. He could have said, our creator, our master, our commander, our leader, our teacher, any one of those. But he says, no, say our father. That makes it an intimate relationship. It makes it about love. It allows you to understand that you have access to him. You have access to him and you can rely on him with full and unshaken confidence. See, but you may be here today and you may be thinking, you know what? When I hear the word father, I hear something totally different because my father is not like that at all. My father abandoned me. My father abuses me. My father beats me. You may be a father here today and maybe you don't feel like you've done a good enough job as a father. So when you think of father, you think of guilt. And I'm telling you right now that straight from Satan, He's lying to you because, see, this father, our heavenly father, loves you with an everlasting love. Don't allow Satan to get in your mind and tell you you can't have access to your loving father because you can have access to your loving father. Maybe you're here today and you may feel like, well, yeah, I, can, I understand it being a father, but, but, but can I really tell him what I want to say? Well, you really listen to me because, Russ, you don't understand all the dirty things I've done, all the evil things I've done. Again, it's a lie from Satan because what you're basing the worthiness of Jesus or God listening to your prayers is based on not on your worthiness, but based on Christ's worthiness. Did you hear me? God listening to your prayers, hearing you and receiving you is not based on your worthiness. It's based on Christ's worthiness. Everything that God was displeased about you was poured out onto Jesus on that day on the cross. So anything that Satan wants to tell you that you're not worthy, you can't come into your father's presence is an outright lie. God absolutely loves you and wants to have an everlasting relationship with you. Do not allow Satan to beat you up that way. I love the fact of the way that he loves you. Maybe you feel like he's not there. Maybe you feel like God been praying to him and he's just not there. This past weekend or a couple of days ago, me and my wife got to get away. We, we, we didn't like go far away. We just went and stayed in a, in a hotel. And right now my wife is freaking out because she's saying, what is he going to say? Okay. <laughs> but, we, but we got away for a night. Okay. Just to, just to, just to, just to get away, spend some time together. And in that, we were sitting up in our hotel room and we're overlooking uh, down there by the pool and there's a big grassy area down there. And we saw this, this dad and his son. Now, this dad was a, was a big guy. This guy was like Andy's size. I mean, he was, he was huge. So he was already a big guy, right? And then he had like a little two-year-old toddler. And the two-year-old toddler was walking around and dad was just so proud. He was taking pictures. And when, when, they, when they got done taking the pictures, the two little boys decided he was going to take off and run. And this little boy is just running as fast as he could, but it was so cool to watch. And we got to see this whole thing. That little boy, as he was running, you know, he was kind of weaving back and forth, right? Because he's just kind of learning to run. Now, one thing I do know, what he saw is, is he never looked back at his dad because he knew if he looked back, he was going to fall. So he was focused straight ahead. But as much as he was weaving and wobbling, he didn't know for sure if his dad was still there, right? But you know what I noticed about his dad? His dad was two feet behind him right there, just walking along with him. And what was so cool about it was it was in the morning. The dew was still on the grass and they probably went a good 50 yards and you could see every footstep and every footstep that little boy took, his father took right there with him. You may not know that your father is right here with you, but he's right here with you. You can depend on God because he loves you with an everlasting love. He'll never leave you. 
He never forsake you. But not only that, can we depend on him? But the fact that it also says that we can depend on him because it says in heaven. Look what it says there. It says our father in heaven. Now this, this speaks, this speaks to the power of God. This speaks to his overwhelming authority and sovereignty over this place. He has all power, all dominion. Everything is in his control. That's where we get the name El Elyon. It literally means sovereign God, mighty God, a God that's in control of everything. God is not sitting up there wondering what the next day is going to be like. He is over everything. He has all power and all glory. I love what David says in Psalm 115.3. says, but our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Did you hear that? Our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Now, I know growing up, I used to want to tell my mom that I want to be able to do this. Or I want to be able to do that. I wanted to do a lot of things that I would please, but she wouldn't allow it. And if some of us are in here right now, you're probably sitting here right now in the chair going, there's a lot of things I still would like to do, but I can't do. God is able to do whatever he pleases. This is a God that split the Red Sea. This is a God that split the earth. This is a God that raised his son, son from the dead. This is a God that can do anything. He does whatever he pleases. If you can't depend on that, I don't know what you can depend on. But the problem is now is that a lot of times if you're like me, you go, okay, I get you, Russ, but God is in heaven. I'm down here. I'm down here in this world living. What can God there do down here? Well, I love what it says in second Chronicles two, six says, but who is able to build a temple since heaven in the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. See, this separates God from everything else. This is Elohim. He spoke the world into existence. He is the creator. See, God is in heaven, but God is here. He is our father. So many times we put him right there. I know I did. I put him in heaven, but it says, there's no way you understand what I'm going through right now. But he knows everything we're going through. He knows every heartache we're going through. He sees every tear. He captures every tear. He knows everything. That's why you can depend on him. The other part about it I love is the understanding that we can rest our confidence then on his goodness, his love, and his power. You can trust in that. But it says your kingdom come also. Now, now, you guys that know this, this whole thing right here is like two or three sermons. And, and, and I don't have two or three sermons to be able to share with you right now. But I'm going to share two things about this. When it says your kingdom come, the first part I want to share with you is the kingdom is here. You as believers, you and I as believers, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the kingdom comes inside of us. All right. But understand something about the kingdom. The kingdom is absolutely opposed to disorder and chaos and confusion. God is not the author of confusion. And so when he's telling his disciples that you need to pray and ask for the kingdom to come, he says, you need to do that so that you can have order. You can have peace. You can have comfort. The reason we have disorder, chaos, and confusion is because we get in the way. We depend on ourselves. We know just enough to be scary. We think we got it under control. We know what to do in this life. This past week, we saw that again at that hotel. 
A dad in the pool uh, and his little girl was going around and she was jumping in and dad was catching her and, and all that sort of stuff. But then all of a sudden dad's standing in the middle of the pool and all of a sudden he looks up and his daughter's running down to the deep end. And he's like going, where are you going, honey? And she goes, I got this. Now being a good dad, the dad goes, yeah, okay. And goes down to the deep end. And then the daughter jumps in and the dad's there to catch her and save her, right? But how many times have we said that? It's okay, God. It's okay, Father. I got this. I'm Russell Gregory. I'm minister on staff. I know exactly what to do here. I don't need you today. I've got today. You ever done that? You ever make that mistake? See, that's what causes disorder. That's what causes confusion. That's what causes chaos is when we get in the way. See, he said his kingdom comes so we have order and peace and comfort. But then the second part of the kingdom coming is that one day it is going to come. He's going to do away with Satan. And I love this verse, Hebrews 10, 13. He says, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Now I'm an ex-coach. And so I, I get excited about when you think about pregame speeches or halftime speeches, right? And I'm going to say something that many times I was in a, in a, in a locker room in a football game that I was like going, okay, we got to dominate the opponent. We got to crush them. We got to put them underneath our cleats. We got to pile them into the ground and we just got to crush them right there, right? You just got to massacre them that. You got to take care of your opponent. Don't let them breathe, right? Now I got moms and grandmothers out there. They're going, okay, I'm not letting you play football. Okay, I'm telling you, we didn't want anybody to get hurt. We're just trying to pump them up, get them motivated. I love this right here. You want to talk about a speech, a pregame speech. He's saying, guess what's going to happen? That word waiting there in the Greek means expecting. It's not it may happen. It's not God's up there going, well, I wonder if I can defeat Satan. No, he's letting us know there's going to come a time when I'm coming back and Satan is literally going to be crushed underneath my feet. He will be my footrest. He will be my footstool. Now, I don't know about you, but I get goosebumps thinking the fact that that's the team I'm on, that I get victory because of that. He will come back. And if you can't depend on that, I don't know what else you're going to be able to depend on. That gets me excited. I'm sorry about that. Front row just got a little liquid coming. Sorry. Number two, why depend on God? God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. I look at this. Look at verse three. Give us day by day our daily bread. It's simple, but it's still, again, it's about our father, about being able to come and have access to our father and to ask him for things. It's like Jesus took this, took this verse and repeated it over and over and over again. Because see, in the Greek, the word give means to, to produce, to let, to put in, to. It's literally giving them that. And when you think about that, when you think about give, it's also in the present tense, which means it is a continuous or repeated a a action. So it means he didn't ask one time to give. You say give, 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 give. It's over and over and over, right? to give us each day our daily bread, day by day. You know what that means? It's real. It's, 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 it's going to be hard to understand this, but day by day, you know what it means? Every day, every day. And then the word daily means continuous give us our daily needs, our basic needs. So Jesus was basically saying, if you'll just continue to ask him to, for him to give, he will provide for you. Why? Because he's Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. He is your father that wants you to have it. What I love about this is when it says our bread, give us our daily, our bread. Now think about that for a second. Those of you who have children, 
or grandchildren, you're going to understand this, okay? When my kids used to come to me and they used to go, hey, can I, you know, I need, I need $10, I need $20. And as I'm seeing, they're getting a little bit older. It gets a little bit higher, right? You guys are understanding me, right? Well, I wasn't a very good dad. So when I gave $10, it wasn't like, oh, sure, here's our money. No, it was usually with a dirty look. There's $10. That's all I got, you know? But that's not what this says. It says our bread. It became our bread because our Father gives it to us freely. He wants you to have it because that's how much He loves you. And He said to ask for that because He's faithful. I remember me and Michelle were first married that, that we, we, we'd come to a point in our time where we would. We'd, given our tithe and we'd given all the money and we, we had bills to pay and we wrote them down. And it was like $700 that were still left over. And we just prayed about it and said, God, you're, you're faithful. You pray about it. And sure enough, we prayed about it. And I forgot the exact penny, but I do know that over the course of the next two weeks, we started getting insurance checks. We started getting rebates. We started getting all kinds of just weird stuff. And when we added it all up, it came to the exact amount that we've been asking for. God is absolutely faithful. But if you don't remember that, listen to Hebrews 10, 23. He said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And that, that word there, faithful literally means trustworthy, trustworthy. But then he goes on, Jesus says in Luke 11, nine and 10, he says, so I ask you, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and he who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Now understand that when Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, it's in the understanding that these disciples are not coming and just asking for anything. The word ask there literally means to beg. It gives you the idea of a beggar coming to a generous giver, but it's not authorization, a full blanket of whatever you want. What Jesus was saying, the reason that it would be open to you, the reason that you will find, the reason that you will receive is because it comes in line with what your father wants for you. See, when we understand that God's power is greater than ours and his wisdom is greater than ours and he sees the big picture and we see this little bit, then when we get in line with that, then we understand that, yes, I will receive what I'm asking for because it comes in direct line with what God wants in my life. That's the big difference there when we think about asking, but it's in a present tense, which means to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. God's not a genie. He's your father. He's going to give you the good gifts. He's going to give you what is his plan. That's what he's going to give you. This past week, we've been praying for something for, for over seven years. Seven years we've been praying for something. And this past week, God answered that prayer. I'm here to tell you, I don't have any idea what prayer you're lifting up. I don't know when you come down here to Jericho prayer, but I know our God is faithful. Continue to seek, continue to knock, Continue to ask. Keep doing just that. He will be faithful in what, he want, in what he's going to give you. And then number three, why can we depend on God? Our weakness. Our weakness. This is, this is so evident, but so many times we miss it. He said our weakness and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Forgive us 
Forgive us. What, what, what forgive means to release, to let go, to cancel out, cancel out the debt that we owe, the debt that Matthew talks about, the sin that alienates us from God, alienates us from the peace and the favor that God wants for us. We desperately need God's mercy. And until we begin to understand that we desperately need God's mercy, we will not truly understand the love that God has for us. See, we need to recognize our weakness. And it's not a bad thing. Paul says in 2 Corinthians where he talks about his power is perfected in weakness. He says, I'm weak. Therefore, when I'm weak, I am strong, not because of who I am, but because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, because of God in me, allowing me to do the things I do. See, when we're weak, God's got us exactly where he wants us. Because at that moment, now we're turning to him. You think about it for a second, the, the lady in, in, in Luke 9, when she was ill and sick, and what did she do? Saw Jesus and she touched his robe. Jesus said, you are healed, right? She was weak. She couldn't do it on her own. Too many times we feel like we can do it on our own. It's time for us to look in the mirror and realize that we are weak and we need him. See, if dependence is the objective, then weakness is our advantage because that's exactly where God wants us. He wants us at our weakest. He says, I want you weak. Therefore, you reach up to me. As I reached up to Bailey, I was weak at that point. He's saying, reach up to me. I'm right here for you. I will pull you out of anything you're in. But it also talks about the temptation. See, the temptation, God doesn't draw us into temptation. We do that on our, on our own. Look at what it says in James 1, 13, 14. So let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. It is our own desires. It's our own flesh. It's our own weakness that gets us into trouble. It draws us away. But see, what happens is pride kicks in. And we feel like, no, I don't need any help. I don't need that. I don't need anybody to pray for me. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do all this sort of things. I don't need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to do this all on my own. If we don't recognize our weakness, we'll truly never recognize the love that God has for us because we'll truly never understand the gift that he has given us in the Son of Jesus Christ. But the verse goes on, my favorite part, it says, but deliver us from the evil one. That word deliver means to rescue, but, but understand it's more than just rescue. It means to draw with force, to drag, pull, or to draw out of danger. Now get that for a second. It's not just coming by going, Hey, we want to lend you a helping hand. It's literally, I'm going to pull you out because you're in danger. And we see this is played out over this last week with Hurricane Harvey and this one particular one that just caught my attention was this reporter was literally in the boat and they were driving around and all of a sudden you hear this lady holler for help and they go over to this house and again, it's just crazy. They're in a boat in the water. The, the guy gets out of the water. The front door is open. The guy gets out of the water, out of the boat. I mean, into the water and the water's coming up to his chest. He goes inside and he comes out and he said, we've got an elderly couple. I need your help. Another guy jumps out of the water and they go in and they get this, this elderly man and they pull him out and then they physically push him up onto the boat. And then they go back to get his wife. I think that's a rescue. 
And I think to myself, how many of us are in that house right now? See, if that elderly couple could have sat there and said, you know what? I choose not to be rescued right now. I choose not to be delivered from this right now. That elderly couple would have died right there. And we would all say, what's wrong with you? But yet there's people sitting here today that are dying right now, going to hell, that choose not to be rescued. And we don't do anything about it. We need to go rescue them because of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's people in here that are bound up by sin in their life because they don't know how to get free from it. We need to show them the word of God so they can be delivered and rescued from it. That's what Jesus says. He says, you've got to recognize your weakness. If you don't recognize your weakness, you'll truly never recognize the love that God has for you. He said, I want to deliver you, deliver us from the evil one. He's telling his disciples, you've got to pray that. You've got to be able to do as you truly want to elevate your dependence. And then the last one, Luke eleven thirteen. If then you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. There's so much in this verse, because I thought about this first. I thought about the many times that in my life being a dad that, that I've, I've, I haven't been a good father. Spoke about it just recently. Me and my daughter, I'd pick my daughter up from school and we'd take the long five minute drive home and, and we would get in an argument. I would say things to her that I can't believe I'd say. I think about my sons and my other daughter, the things I've, I've said to them that I've just crushed them, just literally crushed them. I think, why in the world being a dad? Why would I say that? But what this verse tells me is this is, yeah, I'm, I'm evil. I'm, I'm trying to be a good dad. But even me being evil, I know how to give a good gift. Because I think about it, even though I would say all that stuff, that when my children would go through tragedy, when there would be something in their life, whether it, whether it be a loss of a friend, whether it be something at school or something going on in family, whatever the case may be, whatever has gone on in their life, when they come to me and they look at their father and they come to their father and they just fall in their father's arms and they just weep uncontrollably. At that moment, I wasn't thinking I'm a bad dad. I was thinking I want to love them. I want to caress them. I want to give them everything they've got. I want to pull them out of this danger. I want to pull them out of this bondage. I want to take them to a safe place. And I would literally wrap them up in my arms and hold them. It may be an evil. How much more my heavenly father wants to do the same thing with me. And he's not evil. He's good and he loves you. And he wants to rescue you. He's right there with you. I have no idea what you've been going through. I have no idea how long you've been praying for something to take place. But what I do know is while you're waiting, while you're waiting, he's waiting with you. He's right there. He hasn't gone away. He's in the waiting with you. He's right behind you. He's willing for you to just collapse in his arm. Hold fast. Take that courage to go, Dad, I need you. I need you. I desperately need you. And understand he loves you and he'll wrap you up.